0: Hello and welcome to Your Care, Your Rights, Your Voice. This is Maureen Painter. I'm joined today by Dan Beam, one of our regional long-term care ombudsmen. Hi, Dan.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me.
0: All right. And so today we're going to have a discussion about how to choose a nursing home or a long-term care setting. Dan recently um, provided information uh, regarding this topic on Facebook Live and we had a great response from residents and individuals in the community, family members. And so we thought it be a great topic to put out to all of you today, um, Dan. I don't know if you want to just talk a little bit about what you found when you were looking into this, or how often people maybe give you a call with questions regarding how to choose a nursing home.
1: Yeah, it's um, choosing a nursing home is something that I get calls on a lot, whether it be an individual who is you know coming out of a hospital for a short-term rehab stay and you know exploring where they'd want to go. Uh, or maybe somebody has applied to a few nursing homes who want us to know their rights about wait lists, um, or even somebody who's at a nursing home, but isn't happy. They made a decision at first and they're not super satisfied with it. And so they're looking to explore other facilities. Um, and so choosing a nursing home does come up a lot and there's many ways uh, to enter and and times that it's important to look and look again.
0: Perfect. One of the things that we often hear is that people don't know what's available until they're at the point where they're actually having to make a decision. Like maybe they um, had a health crisis are in the hospital and the hospital discharge planner tells them, well, we're going to send referrals out to a list of eight. And then we want you to pick from that. At that point, what would you suggest that a family or a friend who's trying to support that person in the hospital do in order to make a decision as to the best choice of, um, a place for them to
1: know. Yeah, I think I think the first thing I'd note is that if you are waiting, or if you're if you've gotten to a point where you're in urgent need of finding a nursing home immediately because you're pending a hospital discharge, you know, one thing to note is do your due diligence. Um, you know, there's there's talk to the hospital uh, social worker and discharge planner um, about the facilities, I would be using medicare.gov uh, their care compare website, Um, to make the best informed decision on what home uh, works for them. Um, I'd note that you don't even have to choose those eight. You can make your own requests of what home you'd want to go to, uh, or if you aren't happy with any of those homes after looking at them, uh, that you'd like to look at others and you have that right as well. Um, But just to note that just when you go to a nursing home, it's not a one-way ticket. It's not a one-time decision. Even if you go to a nursing home and you feel that it was the right place, you have the right to choose and self-direct where you do receive your services and you can request a transfer to another facility after the fact.
0: Excellent. And one of the things we often tell people is, I know you mentioned the nursing home compare, which is based off of the surveys done by the department of public health in each state. Um, And there are star ratings and things like that. But even when you have that information Like that information right now is pretty old because of COVID. And there's been a lot of changes in in all the long-term care communities, as well as with um, facility teams, right? So depending on what type of long-term care facility it is, there's different types of teams there. And we've seen a lot of transitions in the teams. So that's a good starting point, but also having people go in and actually see now that There's good access, right? Visitation is open. We would expect that if someone's being asked to um, accept a long term care placement or even a short term care placement for rehab, that they'd have the opportunity to send someone to go um, do a walkthrough and see the facility, see the room they're going to go to. What are some things that you might suggest that they um, look for when they're making those visits?
1: Absolutely. And if you have the opportunity, and that's why I think it's important not to always wait until it's an urgent decision. Um, plan ahead and, and do just that. Once you find a couple homes that you think you might be interested in going to, view them, go them, visit, schedule a tour with the uh, admissions department or administrator. Uh, so you have times to get the front end, what their opinions are. Um, but also that gives you a chance to see at the ground level, you know how genuinely staff uh, are interacting with residents and what the experiences of residents and families are on the day-to-day uh, with the home. So things that you want to look for, you know, just like if you were to visit anywhere else, you want to use all your senses, sight, sounds, smells. Um, You know, when you walk through the homes and you look at other residents, do they look like they're well kept? Do they look like their rooms are inviting, like a home-like environment? You have the right to a home-like environment. You want to make sure that the facility is reflecting those rights of the residents to to have that uh, favorite cuckoo clock hanging on the wall or, or pictures of their children up. Um, talk to the other residents. You want to ask them, what are your experiences here? Do they offer the recreation programs that you're interested in? How is your visit, How's the visitation? Are they uh, very accommodating? Or do they let you do your visits uh, as you need, when you need? Um, you, you know, you can ask the administration as well. You can ask them if they had some issues at their most recent survey. That's when you can ask the administrator, what are they doing to address those issues? You know, you might have wanted to choose a home, but you had some concerns about it. Um, And that might help you to rectify or feel more comfortable in your final decision. And finally smell, you know, does it smell like a home? You know, sometimes some lower quality nursing homes uh, have some unpleasant scents that come with them. And and so to make sure that if you're going to be spending a large amount of time there with a family or yourself uh, that this is an environment that you feel comfortable in.
0: And when it goes to smell, one of the things that I will say is there's certain times of day, right? Where, that may be unavoidable, but it shouldn't be something that persists throughout the day. Um, also, talking to residents, just so people know, every long term care facility, nursing home should have a resident council and a resident council president. And you're always um, able to ask to speak to that individual if they're not able to speak to you, maybe someone else on the resident council board to talk to you, just like Dan said, about life in the home. Um, food, recreation. Also, I think we're going to start to hear more, Dan, about connection to community. It's something I know I want to really work on moving forward this next um, year and couple years to come about people continuing to have ongoing connection to their community at large. And how do our nursing homes and other long-term care communities assist people in doing that? Um, and really seeing the individuals who live in um, our long-term care communities as active members and participants um, of our community at large. So another thing to look at is how they're engaging people um, and keeping them involved.
1: Certainly, and and I will note, you know, same thing as with choosing a nursing home, visits. You don't have to just visit once. You can Mm -hmm. visit more than once. You can go back a second, a third time. I'd even suggest maybe going on a weekend uh, or during a meal service. Uh, holidays. That's a time when the facilities may traditionally lower the amount of staff and services that are provided on site. And you may get a more accurate depiction of what the experiences are.
0: I love that. And also um, not always going with a lot of notice or announced. You can stop in and ask for a tour, let them know that you're looking at um, homes in the area and just getting an idea And I would really strongly suggest that everyone do this um, in your local, if you want to stay in your community of origin, um, that you go and you do this prior to the time when you need it. And I know everyone says, I'm never going to a nursing home. I I don't want to have to do that. However, sometimes that's out of your control. And having the ability to do a tour yourself and to make some of those assessments um, on a first Hand basis is really important. So even though it may be something people don't want to think about, um, don't want to move towards having just the research done, I think is really important. And to speak to the research, you mentioned, you know, visiting, but you also can
1: dialogue with other individuals. You might have family or friends that are having that experience right now. And so to get their perspectives uh, first, you know, the word of mouth is the best way to truly know what people want and what people uh, like. And so to hear from individuals who are experiencing it now, even if you aren't going to be uh, planning on attending or going to a nursing home, uh, just to know what what people's experiences are so you can have that in your mind as well.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we're working really hard to ensure that every nursing home has a family council. And I would ask that question. You know, Yes, there's, they have to have a resident council, but the family council is also a huge resource. So finding out, do they have a family council? Um, if not, do they have active family participants that might be willing to talk with you about their experience? Um, and then again, if you move into a long-term care community, taking that opportunity to start a family council and, um, we're working with that at a state level as well, and having the statewide family council and trying to support families, being there and having access to information in order to support loved ones in a long term care community. So, looking at all of those um, points independently, um, I think is starting to also shift the way our long term care communities are seen. So, for nursing homes for a long time, I think they were the authority, they gave family members the information, family members and residents took that information and made decisions. We've really been encouraging people to see themselves as consumers, right? And that they have a lot of options. And how do they make sure that um, a nursing home is providing for them the highest level level of service as as a customer, right? And if you're a customer, you want good customer service. It's not just about taking what they're able to give. It's about sort of driving up that expectation of quality of life, quality of care, and looking for high quality service.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And I think you've touched on something which is, you know, the collaborative of a family council or a statewide family council or just talking to people who are having this shared experience, as you may, Um, because a solution at one facility might not be incorporated in another. And so to know that a particular facility, if you have a problem at yours, or you have a concern that your, your home, your prospective home might not provide something and you find that another home is providing it and is putting an intervention in place that really talks to you, that really works for you and your family, then that helps you in making that final decision. And to have that dialogue with other families and residents um, is paramount because it's their their shared experience as well.
0: Absolutely, and that's something we really learned um, through the pandemic, right? That using virtual connections, we had never done that before. We'd never done platforms like this and having people be able to hear directly from us and each other about what's happening in other homes, that many things are policies and not regulations, that a policy is different than sort of the law, the rule, um, and how that can change someone's experience in a nursing home or any long-term care community, I think is important to understand and to say, no, that that, that doesn't work. These are our best practices. This is something that's happening somewhere else that we'd like to see incorporated into this home and having that level of accountability and transparency, I think um, has been incredibly important.
1: And it gets better outcomes, better outcomes for uh, the residents that live there. And when you know better, you do better. I've heard you say it, and it, and it speaks to me as well in situations like this because a best practice at one home can be a best practice at another and it's through that shared experience.
0: And knowing how to read the surveys. I know we talked a little bit about the surveys at the beginning of this and that every nursing home is surveyed they say annually, but it's every eight, within 18 months. Um, and so the Department of Public Health goes out and looks at any kind of complaints, concerns. Um, they also have the standard things that they have to look for um, through the minimum data set or the MDS and care planning, um, falls. So there's a whole host of information that they take in, and then they produce a report And it's a licensure report and there's findings on there. And I think maybe we'll do one of these on how to read um, one of those annual assessments or reports from the Department of Public Health, because sometimes there can be one incident that happens where the facility may get um, many tags for it, right? So it's considered an F tag, a federal tag um, that the building would have. And So one incident could cause lots of tags, or you could have lots of different Incidents resulting in lots of tags. So uh, maybe we'll do one related to how to read um, the survey, which should always be at the front or in a very accessible area of any nursing home. um, That should you should be able to ask for, look at it privately, um, ask questions related to it. As Dan said, you know, maybe there's corrections they put in place, but to really have a good understanding as to what's been found in the past and how the nursing home is moving forward in order to make those corrections and ensure a high quality of care and high quality of life for the individuals living there.
1: And and, and you touched on the surveys. I think it's important to note. So two things, when you're on site at that nursing home, two things that you can look for and, and that'll give you a good picture of what's going on in the home generally. One, that survey, they are required to have that most recent survey posted. You can ask the administrator what they're doing to resolve that, but also the staffing numbers. Uh, Mm. Nursing facilities are required to post their daily staffing each day um, throughout the day of who's working. And I think it's important to note that 90% of the daily care that a person gets isn't from skilled uh, nursing staff like uh, RNs or LPNs. It's actually from the the nursing assistants, the CNAs. And so facilities with higher uh, CNA staffing numbers are generally Uh, At least, you to believe they're going to be providing more individualized care for residents. So that's something to look at, something to ask residents about. Do you feel that, ask the staff, do you feel like there's enough help to make sure that residents are getting the individualized care they need? So that's something you can look at there. And also to note with the nursing uh, hours, RNs and LPNs, the higher your LPN and RN hours are on that daily staffing sheet. Again, also usually posted at the front uh, by the main reception desk, or you can request it. Um, That's going to speak to how well a facility may be able to handle handle acute medical conditions that your uh, loved one may be experiencing. And so another thing to look for when you're on site at the home.
0: Thank you. And and to that point, Dan, it is required that nursing homes, it's actually, that is a regulation that they post um, the staffing numbers at the front of the building or an accessible area for both residents and family members, that they can produce that and that it's updated per shift if there's call-outs or changes to the staffing pattern. Um, Another point Dan, that we're hearing a lot about right now in in making decisions about where to live and where to receive services, um, short-term or long-term related to pool. So for individuals out there that don't know what pool is, pool are staff that come in and support or supplement the traditional staff that's in a nursing home or a long-term care setting. And because we, we are in a staffing crisis right now, we are seeing more facilities using um, pool staff where that had gone way down um, pre-COVID. we had buildings that used little to no pool staff. And so getting an idea of how many individuals truly know the residents and can support them in their care, because if you have someone that's just coming in new every day, every shift. It takes a lot longer to do care appropriately. Um, there are There's a lot of impact to the ability for residents to have their individualized needs met. Um, and we find that we get more complaints, right, when there's a higher usage of pool because those CNAs, as Dan just pointed out, are the primary source of care and comfort and quality to the residents. And if they don't know the resident, it makes it more challenging for them to be able to um, provide them with that high quality care.
1: And you don't, don't realize how important continuity of care and staff really is until you get into the, into the weeds as it were, you know, because if you like your coffee with two sugars and cream and that, and that's something I would not want to mess up for anybody, you know, your home-like environment, when your aide knows exactly how you want your coffee, it says something. And to have to tell a new staff member every day how you take your coffee, and that's just one small instance of how that lack of continuity of care can affect your daily experience. Um, and, and we do, we do often get complaints about that because individuals get frustrated repeating their desires and preferences to a new person every day. And and so continuity of staff is huge. And so you can ask. Uh, administrators, how they're maintaining staff retention. How are they doing as far as maintaining their staff? You can ask the residents, do they feel like they're getting their individualized needs met? Do they feel like their caregivers know them? Um, because it's it's with that, that a resident reports higher quality of care in life, certainly.
0: I agree. And, you know, yes, you, you brought up a good point. Um, there's two areas where I think it's critical, right? So nursing You know, you have the CNAs, making sure that the CNAs know the residents and the direct, the charge nurse on a unit. Dietary. Having a dietary aid that really understands the needs and desires of the residents is also huge. It sounds, I'm sure it sounds a little funny, but knowing that they have quality staffing in their dietary department, because when you have good food and those little things um, add up, right? So every time you have to send your food back or um, it's cold, that also impacts. So talking, I would say that's where we get a lot of complaints. So when you're looking at long-term care communities, asking residents and family members about staffing, staffing patterns, usage of pool, uh, food, how long does it take for a call bell to be answered, yep. right? So that's something we hear. And on average, I would say 15 to 20 minutes is average. Um Seems Does seem long at times, but that's something we would consider as average. Anything past that, um, you start to have concerns related to. With that, Dan, anything, any closing remarks or things that we maybe didn't hit that you want to cover?
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's so much to it. And I think if there's one thing I'd want to, to stress is, you know, do your homework ahead of time before you're in, in the need to immediately go to a facility so that you can feel more empowered in the decisions that you make and where you'd want to go. Um, it's, it's paramount. And especially if you're a loved one, um, you know, with a family member that's thinking about going into a nursing home, making having the dialogue early and often about what their values, desires, preferences are not just in aspects of like their daily life. Like, do they are, are they looking for a place that has a lot of activities? Do they look for a place that has really good meals? Do they look for a place that's close to home? Or I have a particular family member that lives in a town and I'd like to be close to them so they can visit often. You know, to have those dialogues early and often make for a lot saves you a lot of grief in the long run because you won't be stressing over making a decision in an acute situation. You'll already know, you'll already feel comfortable about where you're going to be going. So uh, talk about it early and often and um,
0: and that's it. Great. Thank you so much. And I would really encourage people to go to our website, the Connecticut Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program. You can Google us um, and it'll pop up. We have information on there that Dan put together, again, for one of our Facebook Lives. You can either watch the Facebook Live covering this topic or just review the information um, so that you're not trying to write this all down. Um, I want to thank you for joining me here today on Your Care, Your Rights, Your Voice. Uh, Please join us again anywhere you listen to your podcasts and have a great day. Thanks.